episode of No One Knows Anything. I know I've been a little MIA um, and I also know that I don't really need to explain myself but that's kind of the funny thing about like having the podcast I guess is that I do feel like I need to explain myself but I honestly was just like felt myself becoming burnt out and not feeling it and I had too much shit to do but I'm back and I'm excited to be back and I think the break was needed so here I am um, in all, you know, full transparency, this is just like a creative outlet and something that I enjoy doing and I don't necessarily enjoy doing it all the time. That's just the way it is. Um, so I took a little break, but we're back with another episode. I hope you liked the small business highlights. They were really, really fun. I really had a great time doing them and sharing them and highlighting really cool businesses. Little Words Project and Adriana was a dream and I'm so happy that I was able to kind of manifest that really and have it come to light and hopefully there will be more quote-unquote big episodes like that in the future. This week's episode we have a guest Stephen um, also known to me as Dr. Stevie also known as Dr. Mr. Danielle because they're getting married in a few months Um, We talked about the differences between kind of girls and guys comparing themselves, especially in this like late 20s, early 30s time frame, forcing yourself out of your comfort zone. He's had a lot of changes with like school and starting a job and moving different cities and ultimately, you know, moving out of New York to New Jersey and kind of just it's just kind of like a catch all episode around perceptions that people have of themselves and others during this stage of life, I guess. So I had a great time talking to Steven. He always kind of gives me great advice off off air, I guess, and has really great outlooks and perspectives on things. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. All right, Steven, welcome to No One Knows Anything. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You want to introduce yourself to the people? Yes, of course. Well, absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and I have something for my ASMR listeners. Um, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to it. I know we've talked about it a bunch. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to kind of finally be here. It's your call up to the big leagues. And we yes. added a little ASMR segment to the podcast. So you're really delivering on your first appearance. I'm trying. Um, I, so I've given like a little bit of background about you, but kind of like, I think this is going to be a cool episode because I mean, and as we were kind of talking, workshopping things for the episode, it got me thinking, like, I think there's a lot of focus on girls and females and like changes and pressures, et cetera. Like as we get older, mm-hmm. um, like, especially like this 28, 29, 30 situation, whereas like, there's like this shift, I think a lot of it is focused on like the girl's perspective. And maybe that's because I am a girl. Maybe that's like, because that's the content that I take in. Maybe it's because girls are just more dramatic by nature, um, which I'm sure like plays a little bit into it. But I know like you kind of had a lot of changes the past couple of years and you, you know, you have a lot going for you. You We'll get into it all, but it's, I think it'll be cool to like kind of like peel back the layers and kind of give like the guy's perspective to basically everything that I like quote unquote preach and talk about on the podcast. So do you want to give like a little background to you 
Yeah, for sure. So one, I appreciate you telling me that I have it all together because I think with everyone else, I, I don't, but it is nice to get a little recognition. Um, I got you. So yeah, came from a small town. Um, I'm sure we'll get into kind of how I got into PT, but if we want to kind of get into it right away. Um, I had looked into a few different opportunities. Uh, a big thing for me growing up was I always wanted to provide for my significant other, my future wife, my family. Something that instilled, that was instilled in me early through my dad was, you know, hard work, good ethic, good, um, good hard work ethic, and really trying to do everything you can to support for your children and your family. So I think immediately as a guy, I thought about higher paying jobs and I had looked around for different uh, things and I had some friends that uh, their parents were dentists and I somehow got into observing and um, shadowing during uh, their, their office time. So I did that. I thought, wow, they'd make really good money. It's a decent career. This is my, maybe something I'm interested in. You know, push comes to shove. I go to college. I meet Danielle. Um, her dad's a dentist. So I'm like, wow, this is actually meant to be. Um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So I thought that, you know, this is kind of the stars aligning for what I'm meant to do. And then the more I got into it, I realized that I was doing it, I think, too much for the financial compensation. And for me, I didn't think I was going to be happy long term. Yeah, so the quality of life it, piece. Oh, for sure. So, you know, as much as I really did want that financial backing and security, I also have to love what I do. And there's nothing wrong with dentistry. I think it's an amazing career. It just wasn't going to be something that I found myself doing long-term and being happy. I thought that it was too much focus on the money. And I thought if I find something that I really enjoy doing, success is going to follow because I'm going to be very passionate about it. Right. And that's when PT was kind of introduced to me. A family member had mentioned it, but I didn't want to go back and do more schooling because I needed extra um, entry courses for uh, the prereqs. But I ultimately decided after going on a few job interviews for um, it was actually sales positions because I graduated with an economics position um, degree from Binghamton. I realized it wasn't for me. And that's when I said, all right, you're going to take the time. You're going to go through, uh, through with this. So yeah, it would be worth it in the long run. Yeah. So I did all that and that's kind of led to me in a short way of saying it to where I am as a, as a physical therapist, we'll kind of get more into that. But as far as from a guy's perspective on relationships, I've always been someone that has been in relationships, more or less. I uh, dated for a few years in high school. And then Danielle was really maybe the third person I had ever dated. So for me, it was always more about forming a long-term connection with someone else than, you know, random hookups, which is fine for most people. It's just, I wasn't able to kind of stomach that lifestyle. Yeah. Because when I'm committing to someone, it, it means a lot that we're kind of have the same common values and, and we're on the same, same level. So after, after college, which was, it's tough because we were a year apart. So she was still in college. I was out of college. So she's still having her fun while I'm out. We got through those few years kind of doing our own things. And um, yeah, I mean, 
So yeah, we got into to grad school. We had our separate um, career choices that we were going to choose. And ultimately, we decided that Jersey was going to be the move for us. It was tough. It was a tough decision to make because I had grown up in New York, but I kind of felt like I had reached all the sort of milestones. And I'm the kind of person where once I kind of see a state and have experienced it, I want to see something new, which has kind of led me to, to traveling and, and living in different cities along my rotations. So Danielle got a school job. It was really important to me that she had good benefits because that would lead to our children having good benefits and her having time off. So I didn't want to pull her away from her job. So this was a long talk, long conversation leading up to coming down here. But I ultimately thought that I was very flexible in my career. And I, you know, I kind of welcomed the, the new opportunity. And I thought yeah, it the can opportunity only kind of was there. there for sure. So, yeah. So I think I, you know, I want to go back a little bit to PT and then we'll come back to, you know, Danny girl, because I, yeah. I will talk about her all day. <laughs> but um, so like you said, you went into school thinking that you're supposed to be a dentist and I like that you want to be a dentist and you, you emphasize, I think guys mindset. And again, I might be wrong. This might be an overgeneralization is very much on like, how much money can I make? Oh, for sure. And it's very, it's less on like, what am I meant to do instead of like, what's going to make me the most money? Like Mm -hmm. there's a shift and again, might be a sweeping statement, but I think there is some truth to it. And I think, you know, that's where some of the divide is like, do I think that like, the quality of life piece is very important and I don't know what it is, but I feel like a lot of times the emphasis is like, Oh, like, yes, you should be happy in your job. But like, if you're a guy, you should also be making all of the money. And that's not, that's not right. Because like you said, usually the jobs that are making more money, your quality of life is worse. And like, I mean, I joke all the time. Like I'm a speech therapist. I work in a school. I'm not rolling in the dough. Like, but like, is this what I'm meant to do? Probably not. It's probably not what I'm meant to do. Am I happy? Sure. I'm happy doing it. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, the, the happiness that it brings me and like the quality of life that I have makes up for like, quote unquote, the lack of money. And it's not like I'm making $0. I I'm making a livable paycheck. Oh, for sure. But I do know, and I get frustrated knowing that I could be making much more money doing way less work. And I think that's, it's interesting. And I think for guys, especially, and again, could be an overgeneralization, but I think the emphasis is on the money rather than the quality of life, like nine times out of 10. Yeah. I think that, um, inherently in our society too, we have these kind of built structures in terms of what a man and what a woman is supposed to do. And I think our generation has kind of broken through that a little bit. And Definitely. This was the first time that I felt like I was doing something for myself when I chose PT. And I think ultimately it's, it's super cliche, but the truth is you have to, you have to do something that you enjoy because if you don't, you're going to end up regretting something in the, in the long term. And I'm not saying that you should be working for peanuts doing something you love um, because you do have to make a living. And if you want children, they do cost money. 
Right. But there's got to be a healthy balance between that. Yeah. So. And I also think there's so much pressure, especially the past couple of years, to like do what you love. Like if you love it, it doesn't matter. And like things like that. And like, yeah, that's true. It does make it easier if you love what you do. And there are some people who genuinely love what they do and are meant to do their line of work. And you know what? Good for them. And, you know, I'm, I'm jealous of them. I, that's great. You know what I mean? That, you know, when your life and your work are very balanced and you, you just love what you're doing so much. But I also think all of this pressure that we're putting on people to love what they do is almost too much because then people are constantly disappointed. Like, do I love wholeheartedly without a doubt what I do? I don't. That's just being honest. Do I love the kids I work with? Sure. Do I enjoy what I do? Sure. But do I absolutely love it and know that this is what I'm meant to be? I am supposed to be like the speech therapist extraordinaire. Like, obviously not. But like, there's so much pressure. I feel like now to be like, no, you need to love what you do. Otherwise you're failing in some way, shape or form. I think also a lot of those pressures, it's funny. I was doing my research a little bit for you and and listened (laughs) to a podcast of yours earlier. And I think you were talking with Meredith about the social media and you see what other speech therapists are doing and you feel like you should be doing that same thing. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I have a different perspective on PT. I actually get really annoyed with social media and what PTs put on because I think they oversimplify things. And if you learn anything in school, it's that everyone's an N of one and everyone's very different. And I think they make these great generalizations and, and they try to make PT very sexy and don't get me wrong, PT sexy, but um, <laughs> it's, it's not all the time. It's just, it, you know, it, there's a lot of, it's not just round peg, round hole. You, you, you kind of need to figure out what's, what's good for everyone and to kind of pull it all back. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the pressures that we see because everyone's always going to put the good things on and you're going to see the highlights of their careers. But the average person is going to know the lows that you have to go through as well to, to get those to the Right, size. of course. And I think like speech therapy, I mean, I'm obviously like on Instagram and things like that. I follow speech ther- therapists and like they make everything so cutesy and they do all the prep and they, you know, everything is perfectly curated and they're hitting all these goals and their kids are fabulous. And I'm like, there's days where I go into work and I'm like flying by the seat of my pants because like, I just don't have time to prep. And like, guess what? My kids are just as well off as these ki- as these other speech therapists who are like spending all this time prepping, but it's very easy to compare yourself to what you see because like you said like you're only seeing like the good sexy parts of it you're not seeing like the behind the scenes like I feel sorry for these people you're probably laminating things for like hours and like well I'm like hanging out chilling like and my kids are just as fine you know what I mean it's like there's there it's like there's two sides to to it all and I think that's where it comes into trust in your education too I mean I always think about when I was first practicing am I the best person to be treating this person And undoubtedly, I'm sure there are better PTs out there than me with certain patients. Um, But it comes down to when you're with that person, can you maximize their potential during that time? Um, And as long as you can kind of put your best foot forward, then you're going to you're going to find success. And it's funny because when I was a student, I really didn't know anything to my knowledge. And it wasn't until I left one of my rotations that um, they'd offer me a job when I graduated and they said, yeah, since you left, we'd been having people requesting you. 
And I said, I didn't even know anything about PT then or what I thought. So why do I have people requesting me at that point? And that's ultimately when I, when I got to my saying for, I think might apply for a lot of different careers, but people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And I found such great success because of that. And when people know I'm passionate and I care about them immensely, they'll, you need to know your stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's so important that you can connect on people on that level. So um, in that regard, I'm always trying to sharpen my tools and get better every day, but that passion for, and compassion for people and empathy goes further than any knowledge. And it's honestly been a good basis of why I've been good to this point. As a Yeah. And not everyone has that. And I think that's, I mean, it's what sets people, it's what separates like good from great. Like everyone can be good, but it's like, you know, if you're going to go that extra mile, then like you can, you can be great and people do request you and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ka- kind of tying it back into like, I feel like this is turning very much like boys versus girls, but like, <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> but like, I think girl. there, I think there is differences and I think they're like, you know, just like how like our brains are, like we do perceive things differently, especially as like, we're approaching like this big bad 30 that everyone yeah. like, you know, dreads. Um, and that like girls think like, oh, like I'm behind like where I'm supposed to be. Like, I mean, it's easy for me. Like, let's like, you know, you're here. Like, let's compare me to like you and Danielle, who like Danielle was on the podcast, like way in the beginning. Like mm-hmm. you guys are getting married in a few months. You have a house. You are both financially stable in your jobs. You, you know, have this great relationship. I do not, I'm not getting married in a few months. I do not have a house. I rent an apartment. I, I mean, I'm financially stable, but like I'm on my own, you know what I mean? And it's very easy to compare my, for me to compare myself to you and be like, oh, I'm way behind because like, this is where they are kind of thing. Like, do you, do you notice that? Like, do you compare yourself? to other people in like certain aspects of your life? I think anyone that's normal does. Um, yeah. But sitting in the position I'm in, I don't look at other people that aren't in this position and think, oh, they're worse off than I am. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, truth be told, you know, to get to this position is not from a, an engaged standpoint. I guess that too, but just from owning a house, so many things have to go right. So yeah. It's not that I have so much together. It's just that some things in your life are just the right time, right place. I mean, we wouldn't have our house if it weren't for the pandemic. My loan's getting put on hold. I started saving a lot of money by living at home and before I moved down here. Um, Other than that, I'd still be in an apartment. Now, because of the pandemic, I don't think I should be seen as more successful than anyone else. I just think I was right time, right place. You know, I paid my dues with other things we had gone through. Um, right. You know, we had dated a while long distance and that was really tough at times because you're seeing someone every three, four weeks. And ultimately I knew down the line that Danielle, I don't believe in soulmates necessarily. I, I don't think Danielle does either, but because I think that you can be compatible with a lot of people, but um, I think it's, about timing and circumstance. And I think, you know, 
I, I tell Danielle this. I think if there was a soul made for me, it would be hers. But I'm sure there's other people that Danielle would be compatible with and that I would be compatible with. So it's just a matter of right time, right place for a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I th- what was your original question about? Um, like, do you comparing compa- myself? Yeah, like, do you compare yourself or like even like to like some of your friends like that may, may be in similar situations or maybe like you're the outlier in your friends? Oh, for sure. So, you know, in my, I think... I think because of my connection to a lot of women in my life, most of them are engaged. Most of the men in my life are not. I'm honestly probably a stallion, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> not that, that it's a good thing, but You're the unicorn. just more of a unicorn. I just use stallion for the male, <laughs> the male version. <laughs> but um, most of my friends are in, they've been in long-term relationships, but have no sort of, um, desire to commit anytime soon or have families to have families anytime soon. So for that, I always felt weird that I had this feeling in my stomach that I was like, Oh, you know, I want to have this and that and a family and, and they're more focused on themselves than they are building a life with another person. And Mm -hmm. I think it ties back to, it's not wrong. It's just a different way of thinking and right. you have to do what is good for you. Um, yeah. And I think we live in a time right now where it's like your success is very contingent upon like, do you have someone and like, do you like, are you planning a future with that person? And like all of those things, like, and I'm not sure where that came from. I think it's kind of just like developed over time, but I think it's like a real marker that people use like to der- to determine success when there's so many other things that you know come into play like you can have a great relationship like you could all like there's x y and z like else in your life that you could really be struggling with and vice Mm -hmm. versa where like you could have all these things that are so a great job a great house a great all this but like you don't have someone to like share it with and people are like oh yeah you know like they don't have it together and like it's just no it's, it's it's so not true um i think that people always have this sort of desire and focus on on being in relationships and I think it's one because of maybe who they're surrounded by also ties back like I said the social media thing I think people glamorize relationships I I I knew firsthand I'm not gonna name drop any people obviously (laughs) but I know a lot of people that aren't are unhappy but you would not think so judging by um what's posted and I I think too often now people focus so much on statuses. And what I mean by that is they have, um, they get engaged and they're a fiance. Like that's all they are to everyone. They're a fiance. Mm -hmm. They have a child and they're a father, their mother, and that's all they are to the world. And they kind of lose their identity in who they are as themselves. They, they identify with these titles rather than, you know, who they are as a person. Right. Based on that point in their life, like they're, they're figuring themselves out or, you know, presenting themselves as just whatever they're experiencing in that moment, instead of taking that and like having that become like part of just like their person as a whole. For sure. And I agree with that. Yeah. And I think that there's been people that look for that status, maybe to be engaged, but it's more to just have that ring on their finger more than what it symbolizes. When I thought about i mean i get uh, i catch a lot of shit for sorry for cursing <laughs> you can i catch it's a, a cursing lot. friendly podcast <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I catch a lot of crap um, for how long I waited to propose to Danielle. But for me, it was, I only wanted to do this one time. You know, all the, I was so much pressure from family, friends, even patients. I get made fun of a lot <laughs> by, my, by my elderly patients telling me that Danielle was going to run off because it had been seven years. And what was I doing? But for, for me, I was, I said, all right, do I want Danielle to be in my life for the rest of my life? Yes, that was the answer. Okay. So then what do I need to do to ensure that we are going to be ready for that next step? And 10 years down the road, are we going to be good with everything kind of going on in our lives? Because I think it's so important to keep relationships fresh. Many people, I think, get very comfortable with where Mm -hmm. they are. And being comfortable with your partner is very important. It's very good. But there's a, a difference between being comfortable and being content and not trying to push it further. And I think that the, honestly, the final thing that made me say, I want to marry this woman was I feel like every year, every month, every week, every day is something a little bit new. Mm-hmm. And that's not to be corny or cheesy, but I just felt like if this is how I feel, you know, we're almost together for 10 years now. If this is how I feel now, I know that we're in a good place because going to wait 30 years to propose and wait you know right (laughs) so um that was important for me i felt like that it was you have to find ways to to show your partner that you still very much care and that they know how much you care and you're doing new things you're seeing new places because that's how you build memories together um ultimately and yeah so it's like and you know that like what you guys like post and things like that like it's coming from a place of like oh like actual happiness not just like I need to throw a picture up there because everyone knows I'm in a relationship. So like, let's just smile. We'll get it up there. People will think everything's okay. And then we can like deal with our shit behind the scenes. Danielle knows I'm super against <laughs> it. I severely dislike taking pictures in public. Yeah. Um, but it all and- ties, it all ties back into that needing to share with everyone how happy and great and perfect things are. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's why. I mean, I, I get caught up in it. Like it's easy to fall into the trap. Oh, I'm the for first sure. one to say it. Like there's days where I scroll through Instagram and I'm like, I can't look at this anymore. Like everyone is just, everyone's got everything that I don't have. You know what I mean? And like, it's very easy to fall into that mindset. It's just human nature. Compassion. I actually did a cleanse of my Instagram. Um, I, oh, I love, that. I love an Instagram clean out. <laughs> this was, uh, I, I think I remember you mentioned this one was actually a cleanse of people that I had followed that I thought the lifestyles were maybe a little unrealistic mm-hmm. because then you set these expectations on you, your partner and your life for what you should be doing. And I didn't think that was healthy ultimately. Yeah. So I, I cleansed my Instagram a little bit to get rid of that so that I didn't set those expectations and, you know, fall short of them because when you fall short of that, obviously you get upset. Right. My um, favorite so. is, I mean, and we can just go on like a comparison tangent because I <laughs> love talking about this, but, um, my favorite is like when someone posts like a new place or a new restaurant or whatever, and you like finally go check it out, it looks like beautiful and glamorous. And you're like, wow, they, they must have money. And it's like a shack on the side of the road. And it's like the worst food you've ever had in your life. But like you get like the angle, like the picture at the right angle. And you're like, wow, this must, they're at the Taj. Like they are like living. And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
what is this place? But yeah, I posted I like on the podcast Instagram at no one knows underscore pod. If you want to go take a look, um, something that I saw a while ago and I've had it as my phone background in the past and stuff like that. It's like, be so focused on watering your own grass that you don't have time to check. You don't even have time to check to see if someone else's is greener. Like, and kind of like you said, like, just worry about your own shit and let everyone else worry about theirs. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I also think that that's what makes it tough. So tough to keep in contact with a lot of people. Cause you're so, you get, as you get older, you have so many more responsibilities and it gets, it becomes so difficult to keep in touch with everyone that you once loved and you still love all of them. Right. And if you were to talk up to, to that person, I'm sure you'd pick up right where you left off, mm-hmm. but you just get, so when you finally do make sure that you have all of your stuff together, it's just such a balancing act to, to get right. all those things. Right. So you like take out the comparison piece. You're like, no, I'm happy with my life. And like everything else will fall into place because of that. But then it's like, oh, am I too happy with my life and too, <laughs> too worried about my own that I'm not now like having those relationships with friends and stuff. And like that, yeah. like you said, that's where the balancing act comes in. And that's just like another layer to like approaching 30. Oh, just, for sure. <laughs> it's, honestly, it's a scale. It's, you have to like put like a little bit and, and, and every, in sort every piece to kind of make sure that it weighs even, but it's obviously hard to make sure that you have everything proportional. Exactly. Yeah. And like, honestly, like this whole, I know I keep joking about like 30. I just feel like it's like this late twenties, early thirties time where it's like all of these shifts happen and where all these feelings come up and it's like, everyone's ahead of me. I'm falling behind. But like, my thoughts are like, who cares? Like if you're happy, like you shouldn't care at all. Like what people your age are doing. If you like, just because it's not the norm, like I know it's easier said than done, but no, for sure. I mean, the norm now, I don't even know what the norm is now. I know. There's, I have so many people that I know that are getting married before me, but I think in, you know, while I was in school, they weren't dating at all. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing right. wrong with getting married after a few years. You know, here I am, old man waiting till 10 <laughs> years. But the, the, the point is to kind of bring it home is you can kind of be wherever there's no right, right or wrong way to do things. The timeline, there's no timeline. Like everyone no. thinks there's this invisible timeline. Like there's markers at every, you know, few years, few months, whatever it is. And like that, those don't exist. But I think it's easier said than done, obviously, yeah. which is why we are having this conversation. It's why the podcast exists, baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> why we're here. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was your, you have to come back on because I mean, we kind of like touched the surface, I feel like on so many different things and it's so good to get, I know I keep saying like a guy's perspective, but it is, it's true. Um, I mean, I, I have, I stray very like female audience. So I think it's very interesting to get like guys perspective on these type of things um Mm -hmm. and just like get in the feels a little bit dive dive a little deeper um but yeah I mean there's there's so many different things that people don't talk about that you know a lot about that I've experienced that we have similar things so this will not be the last of that the people Uh, here to be invited as long as I don't get too too nervous no we need we need we need more ASMR you gotta come (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) (laughs) so to wrap up all of my episodes um and I've been like on a little two-week hiatus so I haven't said uh tell me your tops in a couple of weeks so 
tell me your tops. Um, we kind of tie one into like what we've talked about. And then when we also just talk about for funsies. So mm-hmm. if you kind of had to give like your top three ways to get out of your comfort zone and like help yourself grow, because I know you've done a lot of like self growth and just like, Oh, you've had a lot of, I keep saying, you know, Rook said this, a lot of life happen. Like what, what are three ways that you kind of like get yourself out of your comfort zone and like help yourself, like just keep growing? Yeah. I think the first thing is it's very tough to get out of your comfort zone, right? It's, it's easy to, whether that's staying home or sticking to your normal routine. I think truthfully, the only way to grow is to go out of it. So for me, growing up in a small town, I was traveling to the city a lot because I, my dad drove the trains and I was going in and out. But the big thing for me was to go and see places. I knew that there was something outside of Little Pine Bush, New York. So when I was in grad school, I had asked for rotations to Boston, Seattle, and I, one other, it might've been Colorado. And my thinking was, I don't know too many people in any of those cities. And if I can go out and make it somewhere, I'll not only learn more about myself, but I'll be better for it because I'm going to learn to, you know, I'm going to teach myself that I know how to survive and, and make friends and, and do it in an uncomfortable sort of situation. So that would be number one for me is trying to travel and put yourself in scenarios, maybe where you really don't know as much people to learn a little bit more about yourself. Number two is to, to bet on yourself. So with PT, I really have to try to advocate in terms of opportunities for promotions or different opportunities. So I think there's definitely been people that I have worked with that are a little bit more shy. They are wonderful, successful physical therapists, but they're afraid to kind of fracture relationships maybe with supervisors or owners. So they don't want to push it. Whereas I've kind of pushed those limits a little bit. And as a result, I've been told from owners, you need to keep pushing for this because we're going to put you here. Mm-hmm. It's good that you keep pushing your, you know, betting on yourself. So it's definitely led to some cool opportunities, which are going to be coming up for me in the future, which I'm really excited about. I'm looking to kind of start independently um, on the side, which came up just from uh, talking to a personal trainer in my gym and uh, he really liked what I had to say. And we kind of went from there, but I digress. So advocate advocate for yourself. Yeah. And that, I guess like that kind of ties into to three, if you want to compare, like do those two things, it's like advocating, like betting on yourself. That would yeah. be, that'd be my, my big thing traveling and then, you know, supporting yourself. Yeah. No, those are good ones. Like putting yourself in the situations to grow. And then also when you're there, like advocating and just like pushing, which again, easier said than done. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, so now you are a big like beer guy as yes, you, know. you can tell by my SMR. Exactly. Um, so this kind of ties into your little travel bit too. It does. You are now a Jersey guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Although and- I won't say that I have been <laughs> here for a year and a half and I still tell my patients it's a conversation piece that I'm from New York and I think I'll go. do that for the next 30 years. <laughs> it creates some content for yeah. you. Um, if you had like, if you wanted to give the people, the listeners, like your top three, like breweries or like 
things to go that like places to go I should say that you enjoy like that they that you would recommend for sure so the cool thing about beer is I feel like it's opened this whole new way of socializing and bringing friends to different locations I feel like every major city that you go to you can find a cool brewery so yeah my top three I'm gonna give one for three different of my favorite cities um I won't, they're in no particular order. The first one would be Tired Hands. Um, this is a little sentimental to me because this is how I actually first got introduced to beer. When you're 21, actually, Danielle used to make fun of me for it. She was a little worried that I really didn't like beer. <laughs> so <laughs> after I turned like 21 and I started trying, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And I want to say around 24, 25, my, one of my good friends, Matt, had introduced me to IPAs when we were in Philly. And it literally changed my life. I don't know if anyone has seen the movie Beer Fest, but they talk about how they the beer is so good they want to melt it in the uh, freeze it in the winter so that they can melt it in the springtime and drink it. It yeah. was like that sort of experience. <laughs> um, so Tired Hands in Philadelphia. Uh, number two, it's kind of a I'll give they taste very similar, but it's in Boston. Um, it's Trillion Brewery. And also Treehouse, which is just outside of Boston. So I kind of tie those into the number two. And then the third brewery is a shout out to where I grew up. Uh, it's called Equilibrium Brewery. It's funny because it's in a small area, but I would say the brewery is regarded as a top 10 brewery in the country. And it came from such a small, you know, I, you know, I grew up there. So I'm thinking, okay, what, there's no way that we would have a brewery that would rank so high, but there's people right. that come from all over the country. Oh, that's awesome so yep that'd be three that'd be my top three those are three good suggestions a little travel agent you should start charging <laughs> for your services <laughs> yeah on the side yeah um no but this was awesome thank you thanks so much for coming on the pod this will not be the last that we hear from you oh it's my absolute pleasure and i hope even one person got an ounce of what i had to say meaningful and if that if that's what we got out of it, then successful yeah no for sure it's a it's a great perspective and um if you're listening still um and you want to follow me on instagram at no one knows underscore pod um i always post teasers and you know some different things that i come across that kind of tie into the podcast so trying to build up a little bit of a following over there so give me a follow um you can rate me five stars leave me a review on apple Podcasts if you would like to it really helps me out um and i will talk to you again next week Thank you.